I guess the pizza moment that changed my life was when I went to Bert's place in Morton Grove and I tried his pizza. I, I, it, like the heavens opened up. I had never seen a pizza look like that. I'd never tasted one that looked like that. And I was determined to figure out how to make that pizza. A child of the Midwest, born loving thin tavern-style square-cut pies, but little did he know his career would lead to the creation of a next-level deep-pan pizza modeled after a style he had as an adult, which literally changed his life. The story behind Millie's Pizza in the Pan, straight ahead. Straight-fired pepperoni. I need a deep-dish pepperoni and a thin sausage to go. Can I get two cheese of ours and one uh, Detroit? Can I get one large pet, one large sausage, and one large pet special? This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA, the ultimate Chicago pizza guide, and founder of Pizza City Tours and Pizza City Fest. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City. Great to have you along with us. Uh, If you haven't heard, there is another Pizza City Fest coming up at the end of April in Los Angeles. This is the first of what we hope is going to be an annual tradition out west. It's taking place April 29th and 30th on the event deck at LA Live, right downtown. 40 pizza makers from all over Southern California, plus seminars, talks, and demos from some of the best in the business. We just confirmed Chris Bianco is going to be there speaking Uh, in conversation with Brian McGinn from Chef's Table uh, Pizza. They're going to be talking about that uh, series. Plus salads, desserts, and a collab lab, which is a new thing that uh, our friend Noel Broner from Slow Rise Pizza has started up. So very excited to see what's going to happen there. Tickets now on sale at pizzacityfest.com. We still have VIP tickets available, but uh, GA just as good. I look forward to seeing you all there. Secondly, uh, we are going to try some listener support here on Pizza City. So if you've enjoyed listening to the show the last four years, or you're a new listener, please consider supporting the show for what it costs to have an espresso in Williamsburg each month. I would love to avoid commercials if we can, but the show cannot go on without support from loyal fans like you. Uh, please visit uh, anchor.fm slash pizza city. That's anchor.fm slash pizza city very easy to remember anchor.fm slash pizza city consider supporting our little show we work so hard to bring you every other friday anchor.fm slash pizza city all right we're in chicago this week where it's brutally cold talking with uh, robert molesky he is from the north shore so those in the know won't be surprised to hear the pizza of his childhood but after culinary school and a career with some unimportant suburban restaurants he had an epiphany a literal life-changing slice. So much so, he dedicated the next couple of years to perfecting it, ultimately opening a carry-out-only place during the pandemic, and just about a year ago, moved into a brick-and-mortar in the heart of the city's Vietnamese restaurant strip, where he does everything by himself. Nice thing about that is you can get a great bowl of pho and a banh mi sandwich, um, and then get some pizza. It's called Millie's Pizza in the Pan, and we began, as we always do, by asking our guest about their first pizza memory. Most of the time, we would go to Barnaby's in Northbrook. After Little League, my dad would always take me there. 
kind of his favorite pizza spot. This is the northern suburbs of Chicago, yeah, right off the highway. Yeah. Uh, the crimped edge, yeah, uh, yeah, right? That's what I always remember, the crimped edge. But I was more obsessed with, uh, they had a pimento cheese dip at the counter with Brits crackers, and I would just eat those all day. They also served those plastic pitchers of soda, which I loved. But yeah, they had the crimped edges on the pizza, and they also had a cornmeal underneath, I believe. So that is your that is your pizza cognition theory that thin tavern square cut Chicago style pizza. Yeah, that kind of that's kind of what a majority of pizza places are in Chicago, and certainly that is my first memory. I always say that, of course, but it's nice to hear somebody back that up. Yeah. Um, well, how did you end up sort of weaving your way into the food world then? In my early twenties, I was a financial advisor for oh. State Farm. Very sexy I job. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it to be honest with you. So. I started thinking about what I really enjoyed growing up, and I always loved cooking. Like, I'd never watched cartoons growing up. I always watched cooking shows like Yan Can Cook, Frugal Gourmet, things like that as a child. Oh, that's an early Six sign then. Yeah. yeah, so then uh, in 2004, I decided to go to culinary school, and I went to Kendall College and graduated in 2006. A lot uh, of good chefs in Chicago came out of Kendall College. Yeah, yeah. Back in the heyday, it was... Really, really good place to be. When was up in Evanston? Yeah, I did one semester in Evanston, and then they opened that downtown location on Goose Island. I was excelled at all the courses, except for, honestly, I was the worst at baking. <laughs> that was the, the one area where I struggled a lot. Because you didn't like the sort of exact nature of sort of weighing yeah, everything? Yeah, I kind of like being more creative, where you don't have to be exact, nothing needs to be the exact measurement, so. Not a good setup for a, a pizza business, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so out of culinary school, 2005, 2006, what are you doing? Yeah, I started working at uh, restaurants out in the suburbs, David's Bistro, but then I started waiting tables. I kind of got more into the front, front of the house aspect of it. I worked at Wildfire. Uh, all, my, all my stints were quite, quite long. Dealing with customers, front, yeah, you know, being the ambassador. Yeah, and sort I learned of a lot dealing with customers, being a waiter. I saw how they handled situations and how to deal with, with guests. That's the thing I learned the most. Where were you, were Schaumburg, or where were you? I was all the way out in Crystal Lake, Illinois, and it's all we had was Nick's Pizza Pub. That's the only... For people who don't know, Crystal Lake is like an hour and change on a good day from the loop. I guess the pizza moment that changed my life was when I went to Burt's Place in Morton Grove and I tried his pizza, I, I, it, like the heavens opened up. I had never seen a pizza look like that, I'd never tasted one that looked like that, and I was determined to figure out how to make that pizza. Angels singing, oh. exactly. So for folks who don't know, Bert Katz, the late Bert Katz, he passed away several years ago, opened a place, um, we had a couple places, he had Dante's, and then he had Gulliver's, uh, which is like a deep pan, which also closed, and then he opens up Pequod's, You'll notice there's a literary theme through all those um, names. Pequod was the captain, I think, in uh, Moby Dick. Moby Dick, yeah. Um, opens up this deep, and he calls it deep pan pizza, not deep dish. Deep pan because he lets the dough sort of proof go to the edges, but he doesn't press the edges along the upper wall of the pan like you'd see at Lumalnati's or at Pie Pie. So this deep pan pizza does sit in a deep pan. Uh, but he was very um, strict about like ordering and what could be on it and like exactly. how many table. How did that work? Yeah, you had to call ahead 24 hours in advance and order your pizza, which I think is kind of genius. I kind of do something similar. That way, you know exactly how much you need of, of every product. It's it's kind of a 
for like precursor to talk. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. Except he did it all on a dial-up phone. For and him. he was a character, like long yeah. beard, kind of a hippie, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, into Led Zeppelin, things like that. He loved collecting things. Super interesting cat. I met him one time. Fortunately, I was so lucky to meet the guy. Collecting old radios. He knew a lot about them, things like that. Interesting guy. So he had Pequod's in Morton Grove, which is a northern suburb. Um, and then he sold it to a dentist from the suburbs. Um, but then he promptly opened up Bert's place around the corner, which probably violated some kind of a non-compete thing. Um, eventually, the dentist opens up a Pequod's in Lincoln Park, where a lot of people end up going in the city. But there are still these two Pequod's. And then there's Burt's Place doing essentially the same kind of deep pan pizza. Um, and I'm guessing you're going to say you like that sort of that caramelization, that sort of Maillard reaction going on around the edge. Yeah, I never had tried anything like that. And it's a totally different flavor profile on a pizza. Blew my mind. I love Labriola as too, as well. But interesting for a kid who grew up with tavern style thing. That's yeah. your that's your basic your baseline. Yeah, I mean that's basically all I ever ate. So when I had a pizza like that, I had never seen anything like that. So okay, so you did, opened my eyes. So you're determined to create to recreate this. Yeah, I spent a whole year of my life trying all different cheeses, all different tomato sauces, all different hydration levels all different starters. It's still progressing. I'm still learning things every single day. But the pandemic kind of forced your hand, right? Yeah, I was I was sent home on March 17th from my job because of the pandemic. And, and that wasn't the greatest restaurant in the world where you were working. Yeah, we're not going to yeah, say, was, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was average at best. But uh, yeah, it kind of forced my hand. And then I wanted to do a brick and mortar right off the bat, but couldn't get the funding. So decided to do the ghost kitchen route in Logan Square. Yeah, so you, I remember you were in Logan Square, um, kind of northwest side of the city, um, out of a commer- it was like yeah, commercial Spalding kitchen. Avenue and Vi- Spalding Avenue and Vision Unlimited. On Vision Unlimited, yeah. So, um, and there was like one oven. One, one convection oven. I was forced to kind of use that oven. So I learned how to do it on there, and it actually turned out really well. And people had to come pick this pizza up, and they'd eat it either yeah. in their cars or take it home. Uh, yeah, they could eat it out of their cars or take it home. It was a to-go and delivery operation, strictly. From the first time you had it at Burt's to where you were, I guess, when you just opened up and you're operating in Logan Square, what were you learning about how this pizza is made and how to make it successful? Well, I mean, all the different styles of dough, all the different things that go into making dough. I've had a lot of great mentors along the way. Jonathan Goldsmith's helped me out. Tony Gemignani's helped me out. Derek Tunks helped me out. Uh, one thing I learned is YouTube was a great resource as well. There's a guy out in Mesa, Arizona. His name's John Prisable. He has a bunch of YouTube tutorial videos that are hours long, and he just talks in detail about uh, how to make bread. He owns a bakery called Proof Proof Bread, and it's. I learned so much from that. Uh, as far as auto leasing and Poolish starters, Biga starters, all the science that goes into it. So, did you learn as much from watching video as like reading a book? Definitely, I think I did. Yeah, and I also read books as well. But I mean, the main thing how you're learning is putting the dough in your hands. <laughs> And one of the challenges you had was in your convection oven. I mean, you were putting it on a rack. There was no stone yeah, or steel. No stone. I don't use a stone. I still don't use a stone to this day either. And why not? Top or bottom. I don't know. I think it gives a nice even cook. Personally, I've never even tried it, so maybe it would turn out better. I, sh- I should probably try it. For a guy who's tried everything, yeah, you'd think that'd be one of the permutations. Exactly, yeah. I haven't done it yet, so. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to keep talking with Robert Molesky here at Millie's Pizza in the Pan uh, in the Uptown neighborhood in Chicago. We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Robert Molesky today, owner of Millie's Pizza in the Pan. We didn't even get to, where does that name come from, Robert? It's my grandmother's name. And then I also stole part of it from Gulliver's. They had always had a sign said pizza in the pan so i thought it was pretty cool so a nod to bert there kind of yeah, yeah. Um, and then when did you leave the uh the commercial space and come here to argyle street in, in uptown 11 months now just about a year yeah about a year now okay so we're back in the kitchen obviously um standing in front of your ovens and you've got a big pan here from lloyd this is a round deep pan about 14 inch 14 by 2 14 by 2 yeah okay it's 2.25 I think technically. Okay, so then what do you do? You've got it has some a PTSK coating on it, nonstick coating. So when I first did it, I would run Crisco all along everything, the sidewalls and the bottom, but it would always stick and get really hard, hard to get out of here. So I, if you use the soy lecithin spray, which is pan basically, you spray that just around the edge and you run your fingers on it, and then do the Crisco, it will come out incredibly easy. Perfect. Okay, so you're not really fighting and wrestling with the spatula. Yeah, exactly. Okay. A little bit, a little bit of Crisco around the bottom and the sides. On the sides as well. Tell me about your flour that you use. This is King Arthur Special Patent Bread Flour. It's got about a 60% hydration level. 63% actually. You said you'd use a little bit of a biga. I use a Polish starter. A Polish. Okay. And then I let it cold ferment for about 36 hours. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. And then you take it out day of for how long? I take it out and then I, I mean, I, I put it in the pans pretty much right away, but I let it sit out for about three hours. In the pan, pressed out? Yeah, pressed out. Okay. Um, and you're pressing it fairly thin. I mean, this is maybe half an inch thick. If that, yeah. If that. Yeah. It's really thin. I don't run it up the sides like you were talking about earlier. This is pretty much... Did you get any intel from going back to Burt's after he left and sold it to these other no, two guys? I, I don't know. Because, you know, they I broke up. I don't, yeah, I don't even know what kind of flour they use. I don't know any of the details, but I know that we use different products. You cover it for how long? Three hours. Three hours, okay. Okay, and so now you're going to add cheese typically, yeah? Yeah, part skim mozzarella. I use Galbani. Part skim low moisture mozzarella. I slice it. These look like one ounce slices? Yeah. And you're gonna you're placing them now, half the slice is on the far edge of the dough, and the other half is going up along the interior wall, pretty much to the top of the pan. Exactly, all the way to the top. And is this something you had to kind of figure out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw that along uh, on the internet as well, <laughs> how they do this. Amazing thing, the internet. It's pretty crazy. Um, do you, what is your, on a 14 inch, about how much, you know, a pound and a half of cheese? Yeah, a pound and a quarter, maybe a little bit more. Okay. The key is here covering all of the yeah, dough, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the dough exposed. The moisture will get to the dough and make it soggy. Yeah, this is your barrier. Okay, so here comes the sauce. And can you tell me about the tomatoes you're using or what you're doing to them? Oh, yeah. This is a Stanislaus Tomatoes 7-Eleven. They're ground tomatoes from California. And what I put in there, I'm, it's very simple. I just add garlic powder. I use red pepper flakes, oregano, and salt. So very simple seasoning. Very simple, yeah. I think the tomatoes are amazing. You run it through a mill? No, I don't run it through a mill. You just kind of crush it yourself? Well, yeah, hand crush it myself and then add those seasonings. Let it sit for a few hours for sure. Okay, anyway. so this is interesting. So now you've, you've ladled this sauce into a perfect circle, but you're leaving the outer yeah, inch. I like to have a ring. It's like a frame. 
the frame. Kind of leave a frame, yeah. Yep. Okay, so you're leaving that alone. You're not touching the outside. It's just sauce up to about an inch before the edge. Okay. It sounds corny, but I mean that ring kind of tastes like a cheesy bread. <laughs> it's really good. I don't think it's corny at all. I think you're right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, they're kind of doing that at Uncle Jerry's in a way. It's a little different than yours. Yeah. And uh, and George's deep dish also kind of doing a similar. He's leaving it bare at the edge, which is nice. So it's just a nice bite right at the end. Does people ever ask you for like uh, shit to dip it into, like ranch or anything? Of course, not. they want sides of the sauce. People love the sauce. I don't get the sauce. Will someone explain the yeah, sauce and then thing? The ranch, yeah, and then the ranch as well. That's I don't know. People are blown away that I never have it. I'm like, I'm sorry, we don't have it. You've got. Why would you want sour cream when you've got dairy on top of it? Anyway, never mind. Okay, so now this is into the oven. No, you got to f- finish it, right? You're gonna oh, add you're gonna pepperoni or something? In the oven. Okay. Oh. I, they always start out as cheese pizzas. I put the toppings on a little bit, a few minutes after it starts baking. Okay. So into your garland. Convection oven. About what temperature here? 425. How long? 19 minutes. That's your first part of the bake, 19 no, minutes. No, about five minutes, and then five. I'll pull it out and put some of the toppings on. Okay, and why do you do that two-step? Well, because if they stand there right from the beginning, they'll be charred, and it just looks a lot more appealing. All right, we'll come back when it's done. So after five minutes, you pulled it out, and you put the pepperoni on. And what pepperoni are you using? I use Etzo, cup and char pepperoni. Mr. Ohio. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Did you try other ones or no? I did. I used this Mama Cecilia, I think, from Restaurant Depot. And I had to switch, and I'm so glad I did. Okay, and then you finish it off, 19 minutes total. Uh, here it is, beautiful. You got that cheese ring around the outside. We'll post a picture, obviously, so folks can see it. Um, and you get that crispiness on the side and the bottom. Yes, yet you don't use a, a pizza stone. Um, you think that's because of just the air circulation? It's got to be uh, the air circulating. It cooks 25% faster and I think 50 degrees hotter than what the temperature actually is. So I think I get a nice golden brown on the bottom. And as you know, and I've talked about this before and in the book, OBR, right? Optimal bite ratio. You're looking for that equal amounts of crust cheese sauce topping in every bite, um, and you've achieved that. Yeah, I think I have. I think it's nicely balanced. Very well balanced. Very well. What other kinds of um, toppings do you typically do here? The, the Mama Lil's peppers? Yeah, I peppers? Peppadu pepper. Peppadu. I have those jalapenos on a lot of the pizzas. I even sacrilege use pineapple on the pizza as well. Uh, sweet mini peppers. I have a Castrellano olives, things like that. Okay. And um, tell me about your sort of interesting operating hours or how the ordering system works here, because it's just you. Yeah, it's just me making all of the pizzas. I do have an assistant now, but yeah, I big time. Yeah, big time. I got, I've gotten big now. <laughs> but yeah, it's we go through talk, and most people pre-order the pizza in advance and then just come pick it up or if they want to dine in they can request to dine in just like Bert yeah pretty much just like that yeah that's so great okay final question we ask all of our guests on the show knowing what you know now about pizza making which is several years in what would you have told yourself in like 2018 or 2019 before right before you started that to be successful well I mean I just wish I started earlier to be honest with you and you kind of have to be dedicated this is a full-time job you're here seven days a week so you got to be open to working a lot but it's so worth it to me you're happy you did this i'm so happy i did it yeah it's been a life changer place is called millie's pizza in the pan it's on argyle street in uptown 
tucked in amid all the Vietnamese restaurants, which is great because you get a banh mi and a pho and then have some pizza. Um, Robert Molesky is the man behind the, uh, the mission here. Robert, thank you so much and congrats on all the success here. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, coming up in two weeks, we are warming things up in Miami Beach inside an Argentinian-branded hotel where they're trying to emulate Brooklyn. Brooklyn style is the best pizza. That thin, very thin crust, not a lot, not a lot of dough. You can have more pizza, so uh, that's the idea. I'll talk to the team at Editor Pizza about their pies that are actually better than they need to be considering the location. That's in two weeks on February 17th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. That support line, again, is anchor.fm slash Pizza City. We'd love to have your support. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.